Sure. Um, well, uh, good morning, good uh, afternoon, everyone. Uh, my name is uh, Vijay Ram Chartar. I'm co-chair for the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee for the New York City chapter. Uh, and uh, myself and Melissa and Sarah um, have worked this past month to pull together uh, this awesome event that celebrates Black leadership in corporate real estate uh, and Black excellence in corporate real estate. Uh, and, you know, in case you guys didn't know, the, the DEI committee for the New York City chapter is something that's relatively new. Um, this will be our, our first full year as a committee, and, and we wanted to uh, string together uh, a number of, of events and um, publishings that, that really brings DEI in rural state to the forefront, you know, both the things to celebrate as well as the things to be aware of and and the issues we may face uh, in, in the current industry and how we can uh, progress on those issues. Uh, so this event, uh, we, we were highlighting uh, three excellent uh, established professionals and leaders uh, in corporate real estate uh, that represent to me and, and to Melissa and to Sarah uh, Black excellence. And, and you know, uh, I hope these guys can give you a good insight um, as to you know how they got where they're at, um, the issues they face, and 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 what we can do as a community um, to make commercial real estate more accessible to a, a broader, more diverse uh, group of people. Um, so I'm going to uh, give a second to uh, allow our, our speakers, uh, Nikisha Kelly and Stephen, to introduce themselves. Starting with Nikisha. Hi. Good morning, everyone. Thanks so much for having me. So I'm Akisha Saw. I'm the Senior Portfolio Manager, Programs Manager at Heinz. I've been with Heinz for about four years. Been in the industry for a little over 20 years. Started out in Brooklyn with a small company called Forest City. So you might know some of their buildings. I started out in the property management world um, from a property admin to now a senior um, leader within our organization. Um, I'm a Heinz local ambassador for diversity and inclusion. So definitely as a member of Cornet, when the DEI group uh, started, I said to Melissa and team, I will gladly give a hand when needed. So I'm here to chat with everyone today. And thanks for having me. Kelly? Um, well, thank you. Um, I didn't know that I would have to introduce myself, so this will be off the cuff and fun. Um, my name is Kelly Powell. I am one, very honored to be uh, asked to join today's panel. I am the Executive Director of Portfolio Planning and Management for the City of New York's Department of Citywide Administrative Services. So in a sense for those of you in the private sector, that's essentially, um, heading up the workplace design and strategy arm for the city's real estate assets. 25-year um, veteran in the um, design and construction industry, registered architect, um, and living in New York for the past 15 years and love it. And just happy to have this conversation about um, you know, African-Americans and uh, commercial real estate. But from the perspective of not necessarily what we need to do, but how perhaps our partners and um, positions of leadership um, you know, the actions they need to take. Steven? How you doing? My name is Steven McKessie. Um, Education-wise, got a civil engineering degree from Temple University out in Philly, 
and uh, MBA from the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern. I uh, started my career at Turner Construction, uh, multiple roles from a field engineer up to a project manager, a cost engineer, and finally, my last project, I was leading a design-build baseball stadium for the University of Illinois in Chicago. And I transitioned over into management consulting, where I split my time between Accenture Strategy and McKinsey and Company, where I would consult um, everything around the uh, CapEx and operational improvement space, uh, just helping them build bigger, better, faster, more efficiently, um, looking at developing top-down strategies. And now I'm a vice president at Lear Cumming, and I provide strategic support across a portfolio of projects that are valued anywhere from 600 million to, you know, north of um, $10 billion. Awesome. Uh, well, I thank all three of you for, for participating. Um, we have a, just for the, the rest of you guys in attendance, we have a, a number of questions um, that uh, these three guys will, will go through and, and you know, answer. And uh, for anyone that has additional questions or comments, please uh, text them in the chat and we'll address them as we go along. And depending on timing uh, towards the end, uh, we'll open it up to everyone to, to you know, uh, discuss or, or ask questions. Uh, so the first question um, is, uh, you know, what steps can the corporate real estate industry take to make careers in real estate more attainable to Black professionals? What part of your journey propelled your career? And uh, whoever wants to take this one first. Okay, so I'll, I'll jump right in. Uh, so I think to really, there's a, at multiple levels, we can expand our, our diversity. And obviously, you know, when we're looking at recruitment, looking at recruiting outside of the traditional, you know, engineering, architecture, and those spaces, you know, the tech companies are coming in and they're recruiting in those very same spaces. And I think we need to think more broadly about where we're recruiting. But then also, as we're growing through the business, I think there's a huge opportunity to just increase the transparency, training, and awareness to how, how our businesses are being run and how we're impacting the bottom line. You know, often, I feel like as corporate real estate professionals, we're, we're, we're slotted in a very narrow area where we've got value that we bring to the business more broadly. And at times, we can hit a, a glass ceiling to, Folks will say we don't have the exposure. We haven't had the uh, where the truth is. We haven't had the opportunity to really delve and get outside of planning, designing, and executing projects. We can, you know, support operationalizing a project. We can support understanding, you know, the master plan and the needs for the organization as a whole and add a lot of value there. But often, you know we're getting excused of not having the experience that we need to take on, but we're not getting the exposure. I would definitely agree with Steven on that. I definitely say it's thinking outside of the box. Um, you know, traditionally it's, you know, let's recruit at whatever colleges, but it's more for me thinking that I started literally from the entry level of a position. It's looking at our community engagement. Um, you know, what are we doing to interact with not just 
our college students, but our elementary, our middle school starts there. Representation means a lot for me in my in my current role and, and even having young children, she's a teenager. You know, for me, I represent everything that she has been, can be, and even more. And so when we get to talking about corporate real estate, it's getting out there and seeing that representation, as well as looking at the C-suite level. It's not just the boots on the ground, it's ensuring that the opportunities continue to rise our C-suite level, because I think I have my my internal role model, and if he's on this call, but Angie Cook for me is my guiding light uh, in Heinz, like it's possible, um, but we need more of that. Um, and so when we see that, I think it leads to more of a conversation when we're out there talking to people about joining corporate real estate, that they actually see that the leaders exist and the difference that they're making. Yeah, I guess um, I couldn't have... Uh said it any better than what Stephen and Nikisha said. You know, interestingly enough, Nikisha, like um, a couple days ago, I was talking to a girlfriend about how my mother was an inspiration for me. You know, she's in management, retired CPA, but me seeing my mother in school was an inspiration for me, no matter what she did and what I went into. Um, I come to commercial real estate with the background as an architect. So my industry is notoriously predominantly white male. So um, I come from the standpoint of um, at this point in my career that I think it has to be sort of when even when I did my own introduction, that I think it has to be an active goal of the leadership of a company to be diverse. If you want to be diverse, you you take the actions, you think about it, and you go about all the different avenues you can to make your staff diverse, whether it's in terms of gender, race, et cetera. It's as simple as that. The same ways that we can go about researching and developing ideas to win a pitch, you know, to get someone to um, garner our business, it's the same approach you take about the type of people that you want representing your firm in my opinion, and this is a woman who's of course not executive director, I'm not C-suite, but having worked with that group and my thought, and this is even post 2020, when every global company on the planet, and I think in very performative ways, express their support for Black Lives Matter, diversity and the like, I think with that same effort, I think should be taken towards you know, what act, active things you can do. And I think between what you and Steven are saying, I think that it's across all points. You know, you start a pipeline when kids are young so that people can see themselves. You um, in terms of school, yes, you target schools, you target HBCUs and the like, but you, you target all universities um, because people of color are everywhere. You know, we're not all at Howard, right? And then after that, once people are, you know, to Steven's point, also when you're in your career, you know, how do you um, help propel someone with their professional growth throughout their career, right? And I think that's something, let's say for me as an individual, I think what's been important is just for my own interest is making sure that I knew every aspect of the architecture business, not just um, design, but I wanted to understand how the business work. And I think that's something for us as you know, people of color, make sure that's something we're doing as we mentor people, but also that, you know, but also with that understanding that, you know, um, you need to be well-rounded in all fronts. So yeah, long story short, I think it all, all these things, I think, start with the leadership of a company. Uh, Kelly, this, this next question, I'll actually uh, lead with you. Um, 
you know, as someone that's in a position of leadership, uh, what are some challenges that you're currently facing? And is there anything that you'd like to highlight in particular? Am I facing any challenges with leadership? Uh, I mean, you know, I I'm going like, to say no, because I work for the city of New York and I'm very happy. <laughs> <laughs> how about that, <laughs> Mr. Mayor, wherever you are? Um, like, how have I dealt with issues of yeah, uh, yeah. leadership? Ah, mm-hmm. uh, well, that's kind of loaded. I think it depends on, you know, the circumstance. I think that for me, I have been in the roles I've been in, I have worked directly for in support of the C-suite. And, you know, I would say perhaps my most challenging um, boss was also one of my biggest supporters. And also, frankly, was, a, um, you know, reference for the role that I'm in now. Um, I think that, um, I don't know, I guess the question is kind of broad for me. I would say that um, as I work through, um, as I've developed through my career, like as a professional, what I've learned over the years is to try to, the best that I can, is, you know, to try to not lead with emotion. And that's something, frankly, I have to do as one as a woman, something that we have to do to, to you know, the, the mental calculus you have to do in relation to that. Also for me, frankly, as a black woman, you know, if I do um, come off angry or upset and probably rightfully so, that I want, that I don't personally want to fall into a trope of, you know, the angry black woman, but in terms of, and so those are things that frankly for myself, working in these navigates, um, within these landscapes rather, where I'm either the only person of color or the only woman, Um, While those are tools and mechanisms I've used um, through my growth in terms of how I deal with different situations, um, what I've learned is it's like you just have to, frankly, for me, you know, address or attack things for what they are at that moment and try to, whether it's a challenging client or a leader in the company, is, um, you know, try try to take whatever that that issue or situation is, read it for what it is try to take a beat, like, you know, understood will do. Um, Always in a situation where someone, I think, if they're being unprofessional, cursing, whatever, you know, again, call it for what that is, you know, like making understood that that's, you know, not the conversation I want to have, or, you know, it's not a professional way. But I think in in general, um, you know, I don't know, BJ, I mean, for me, honestly, it's like, question's kind of broad for me, but I I think that, quite frankly, maybe younger in my career, I would take maybe a lot of those things more personally, I think, just because of like this lack of exposure experience, like, you know, why is this person mad at me versus now, you know, I'm more apt to be like, okay, I see what this person is and I'm, and I'm thinking strategically ahead about maybe the next situation. I don't know. That's yeah, all I got. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, you know, like uh, I personally, you know, um, like earlier in my career would, would uh, you know, especially when I would notice things that, you know, coming from like, you know, uh, I hate to put it so like, frankly, but like, you know, some, you know, older white guy talking down to me, like, you know, like, oh, like yeah, the, the bit of like condescending attitudes that, you know, weren't purposeful, but they were there. And I would take that super personally and, and, you know, wouldn't be able to get over it for a while. And, and you know, working, by many years, I've learned to, you know, be more graceful on how I deal with things. So I think you totally have a point there. And, you know, like, yeah, and to me, it was a harder lesson to learn than, you know, 
most people like I'm not as graceful as you guys well, know me, well but... no and, and and i would say this you know and steven and uh, nikisha will jump in too you know because i'm glad you just said that it's like with me and for anybody uh, i can see sarah laughing and anybody who's joined this call from cornet and who knows me they're like yeah that's kelly um i think that you know in all frankness what i have learned as an individual and also something that i when i speak to younger professionals people of color is you know it's an old you know, Black saying, you know, well, we have to work twice as hard to get half as far, okay? And with that, what I always advise young people, and, you know, and honestly, swipe like otherwise, is that no matter what work situation you're in, you have to be on point, right? You have to know your blank. You have to know your stuff. Like if you're in a firm, you need to be at the top of your game on Revit, Creative Suite, all of it. If you're in a commercial real estate sector, any and everything that you need to know to be your job and be the best and the top at it, do that so that if someone challenges you on your work product, on something you're presenting, you know where you stand because you know your work, you know your work ethic. So that if someone does come at you, frankly, in a racist, misogynistic, homophobic manner, you can call it for what it is. Because if anything, you can always stand on your work, right? So that's something that I personally have learned over the years. And that's something that at least for young people that are coming up after me, what I, what I tell them, like you all, like if nothing else, know your work, know your worth. So that again, if somebody comes at you, like, yep, that's a crazy racist, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I would agree 100% with everything that Kelly says. Like, I think throughout my career, I have had a goal, a plan, and a up to that in order to see the different levels that I wanted to get to. But I've definitely learned that learning my worth and my value and sometimes taking a breath, um, definitely breathing techniques through the pandemic has been a key thing. You're in tons of Zoom messages, uh, meetings, and sometimes even building the relationship with coworkers or different leaders has been, I think, trying to, I moved up a couple of levels <laughs> during the pandemic, ironically, <laughs> right? You think the pandemic kind of had people stagnant. It actually has been really great for my career because what I have learned is I raise my hand. I raise my hand to say, I'm interested in taking on something new. And when I do that is really saying, exactly to Kelly's point, I know my work ethic, I know what I can do, you know, be on point with every aspect of what you need to do. But then what I've struggled with is also just looking at the fact that you're not for everyone, right? And so then you have to discern who's for you and who's not for you and move in the particular way that you can still be professional, still, you know, encourage that you're loving what you do every single day, but definitely I would say also having advocates. I think the part for me in my career where I, I really stepped into a managerial position was because I actually had a C-suite woman at the head of our organization who advocated for me when my male leadership in my division said I didn't have enough experience when I was managing multiple properties, launching whole buildings from construction handover, you know, handling AIAs and doing all that. And it was like, well, you just need to do a little bit more. And she finally sat them down and says, okay, it's been a couple of years. She's done a couple of projects. What else does she need to do? And literally, and that was all because we actually had a, an internal women's organization where I, you know, had the brave courage and other people that is being brave and having the courage to say, you know what, out of all the divisions in our corporations, I see a ton of women in our leadership roles, but not in my division. And so 
she put the men on my division to task. And that's how I became a facilities manager, um, being able to step into that role. And when I did step into that role, to Kelly's point, it was definitely like, you need to be on point. You know, every meeting, every construction project, you know, what are my deadlines, meeting my deadlines, you know, or even exceeding my deadlines by being really, really early. But that puts a lot of pressure. And I think for us as leadership is really trying to balance your work-life balance, trying to balance that you love what you do, but being courageous still to continue to say, this is what I want to do and I want to continue to grow within this field. Yeah, so. uh, Stephen, anything? Yeah, go ahead. No. Yes. Um, yeah. So actually, my my biggest challenge outside of you know consistently being the only person of color at the table is being the youngest person at the table. Like I've got generous, generously fourteen years of experience, and everybody else at that table has north of twenty five years, right? And we are from different generations and we think differently, right? So this, um, the edict of, hey, you got to work twice as hard. Well, how are we defining work, right? Because there was a generation before me that defined work as how many hours you were in the office and how many, you know, projects did you run or how many people you have directly reporting to you, right? I don't need to have anybody reporting to me to create a ton of impact, right? And I've, you've got to just like understand what your individual value proposition is, right? Where someone else can lean on their experience and I respect the scars and the war wounds, war wounds that they've gotten, they have to respect my facts and my numbers and my data, right? That's, that's what I'm doing, right? And, and early on trying to understand like, okay, what are, what are we optimizing for in this situation, right? So that I can lean towards that because I'm not, you know, there, this is a generation that doesn't want to put in 60 hours a week, right? This is a generation that doesn't want to say, you know what, I've got to be in this role for three to five years before I've earned the right to get to the next role. If I'm delivering, you know, more projects and more volume and they're successfully achieving our our revenue goals or our margin goals, why, why shouldn't I get that promotion, all right? And those are the types of conversations that we need to have because often, you know, we're, we'll go home and we'll have it with our friends on our side or, these, you know, with our loved ones, but we've got to like bring it to the table. And, you know, if given the opportunity, I think senior leadership won't let you walk away from the table, but people will say like, you know what, they don't respect me. I'm out of here without having that direct conversation and saying like, hey, this is, this is the value I'm bringing to the table. I know, back to Kelly's point, I know my words, right? Not just, you know, what you've communicated to me, but, you know, I'm looking at how much of my peers are being paid. I'm looking at what size projects they're delivering. I'm looking at like tangible things that can be measured and say like, hey, why, why am I getting paid this much versus my peer? Or why am I only getting access to these, this narrow, you know, swath of projects and such? So it's, that, that's my biggest challenge that I face every day. And it's, it's helping to, you know, talk the same language as, you know, the folks that are, are, are in those decision-making positions. Hmm. Steve, Vijay, I don't, I hope you don't mind. I was uh, curious at, 
Stephen, do you think for with you being in um, real estate, do you think it matters the type of market sector that you're in? You know what I mean? Like, for example, um, in terms of point of view of, let's say, the um, let's say just generationally, like the, the Gen mm -hmm. X or the boomers, you know, maybe in a certain like more finance law, more, con more traditional type firms versus um, mm -hmm. are, are the conversations different or do you think the leadership is more open or more, more the tech side or, or things I, like that? I just I curious. Think 100%, it's, it's, it's mm -hmm. twofold, right? It's mm -hmm. what sector are our folks in? And honestly, like where, where the funding is coming from, mm -hmm. right? Because, you know, you work in the public sector, right? They're looking for, when you're proposing, they're looking for the org chart. And every single time we do an org chart, it's how many years of experience are under. It's what's the mega project that has been delivered previously. Even if that mega project was a failure. Oh, he, well, he delivered it. He got it done. I'm like, it was a failure. Why am I? Because I didn't fail already. And this person failed. Or like, you know, whereas I've got different clients that are, on the VC side, and they're like, they're about the numbers, they're about a quick turn, they're like, hey, we got to get out of this, app. we got to get it done, because, you know, we need that revenue to come faster, and we're also in this asset in five years, and that's all they care about is the bottom line and the numbers, so they're, they're optimizing for just something a little bit differently, and they very, whereas in a different sector, they're more like risk averse, so they want a proven product and they don't value innovation at the same level that somebody else may value it. So it's, you hit the nail on the head and that's, you know, understanding sometimes, you know, I'm an executive, I'm not the right one. Like I, I can go to my leadership and say like, you know what, I went to that client meeting. I don't ever want to talk to that client again. That is not a good fit. I've walked out of the room and they respected me for it. And then there's others where I don't even know why I'm talking to the client until I meet them. And they're like, oh, okay, I get it. We think similarly. Um, so Nikish, you kind of hit on this uh, a little bit earlier. So I'm gonna start with you on this question, but uh, who are your biggest inspiration role models? Well, I'd definitely say for me, it's, you know, my mother, my mother immigrated here from Central America when she was a teenager. And, you know, she was a nanny. So many of my days growing up, she was busy off raising someone else's children. And I was at school. She, you know, she said, go to school every day. I don't ever want to show up to school unless you're like failing. And then that's a whole nother level of issues as a Caribbean family. Um, but so I always tried to make sure that I was doing well in school and being successful because she didn't get that opportunity. And I definitely say also for my daughter, my daughter is 18 and amazing young lady, um, just full of great ideas. She's an artist. She looks at the world in a whole nother perspective and thinking about millennials and Gen Z, like they are our future and just seeing what her and her friends are thinking about during the pandemic or going through, you know, racial injustice. She goes to a predominantly white school. It's a boarding school. Um, it's a great school. She's had amazing experience, but even being in that space, she's had to learn early about having to represent herself. And so just how she's carried herself, how her friends have really, you know, taken on all the different struggles. It's an inspiration for me too, to just see that this wonderful young generation really is paying attention to what's happening in the world and they want to participate in it and they want to make a change for the better. So we may end up going to that four day work week that all the 
older execs are like, nope, you need to be in at seven o'clock and leave at seven. That generation, they don't care. They want to be able to work from anywhere. They want to be able to be creative and thought thinkers, and they have a lot on their mind and they're willing to share it. So I, I'm also so much appreciative of being able to absorb that from her. And I take that into the workplace. So I have a flex schedule now and, and I like it. I'm, I'm getting adjusted to, you know, not being in the office some days, but then putting that heads down time. So I, she, like I said, my mom and my daughter, I think are my two greatest inspirations because I can now see the generational legacy that I'm leaving and the shift that has happened in each generation. Um. BJ, did you? Well, okay, I'll just start talking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, did you? Would you want to? I was waiting okay. for the one of you guys to to, to you know, yeah, jump we're in. We're not on. in a room. Yeah. You got to tell us. Um, <laughs> you know, I think. Well, of course, you know, since Nikesh is great, like for me, I I usually refer to my mom because again, I'm the um, I'm, you know, grew up, you know, my mom a single parent, so you know, for me, she was, you know the black woman that I saw in executive positions. Through her, I met other black architects and engineers and artists and things like that. So for me, it wasn't, I frankly didn't have to come through some sort of pipeline because I was just a part of it, right? So my mom was able to put me in those circles professionally, or even I would say, you know, in the academy and then professionally, I've been lucky enough to have had people um, in my circles and to support me, um, white, black, otherwise, um, practitioners um, and academics who, you know, just saw something in me and supported me, right? And, you know, um, at different avenues in my life, um, I've been able to reach out to them for either um, guidance or just an ear um, and the like. You know, so, um, you know, I'm trying to think about quite honestly, part of the responses, you know, like when, you know, I'm prepped for this call today, some of the things that um, I wrote, but for me, it was, yeah, it, it was honestly just people um, who have had the most impact were folks who were um, either working and teaching at the same time, because I've taught as well early in my career. And I think that's why for myself, mentorship is so important to me and that I do, I won't necessarily say leave a legacy, but I want to make sure that that path or anybody else coming up after me, you know, that I'm, I'm trying to help them too, right? So, cause I wouldn't be here otherwise. And again, it being a mixed group of people who did so, right? So that's it. Um, I'm gonna keep it brief. Uh, so obviously my dad was a, was a mentor, but just to kind of mix it up, one of my first major mentors was my first manager at Turner Construction and it's a guy named Joe Campbell, you know, white guy, married, three, three, three beautiful daughters. And I saw like, he had the capability to be running the business if he wanted that, right? And my first year, I, you know, probably worked 12 hour days every single day because I wanted this award and I felt like it would help me escalate faster. I thought it would get me more money. And when I got the award, you know, he said like, what are you gonna do to celebrate? And I, I was like, I, I don't know, I hadn't, I hadn't thought that far, 
right? It's like, well, do you have a girlfriend? Do you have, like, what's your situation? I, I didn't have everybody. All I had was work. And, you know, he sat me down and said, you're missing the mark. Like, you don't know what you're, like, what are you optimizing for right now, right? Like, you've got to, like, figure out how to strike your balance, right? And he said, right now, I'm all about my daughters. And it, I took notice, he left the office at five o'clock every single day, not because he needed to catch a train, but because he wanted that family time. And he, he said like, hey, I know right now in this phase, they're very impressionable. I was running it and making things happen, but right now I've got to put it on the brakes and focus on family. And then maybe when they get in their teenage years, I'm going to reposition myself and go back to focusing on, on. but just, you can't, you know, zero in on one thing and let the rest of the world fall apart. And that, that stood out to me. And I kept in touch with him for quite some time after leaving the firm because, you know, like sometimes you just get so zoned in and you, you, you lose, you lose track and you, you come to find out you, 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 you don't have anything to celebrate. And, I, you know, I'll add one other role model since, since Stephen shared a professional one. I think it's part of why I love commercial real estate. My first property manager, um, older white male as well, um, but so confident in what he knew and what he did and why he loved real estate that he instilled that in me. And he said, when I'm not in this office, you are the gatekeeper. You run this building. It doesn't matter that someone tells you you're my admin. Nope, you hold the keys. And so that's, that stayed with me that wherever I am, you hold the key to your knowledge. And so still to this day, he's retired. And, you know, I touch base with him as I'm moving up in the world. And he's like, I know it, kid, you got it. So I appreciate that. I appreciate a man who's confident enough to be of the older generation and share that knowledge and not be intimidated by it. And I, I would just add to it, Acacia, like what you were saying is, as you both are talking, this made me smile. I think for me, and hopefully for anyone who's listening, remembering those individuals who saw something in you and empowered you like you are like you are smart enough to do this and and perhaps not only kick ass doing it but um I am basically like giving you the opportunity you know to lead on my behalf you know and I've had people do that for me and I think about people who again like I said for me there's too many to name whether it was an academic arena or for me you know um, working in practice, but people who basically either gave me autonomy to do my job, not micromanage me, but also said that, Nikisha, for me, what you said hit me is that when I'm not here, you represent me in this company. Go. And frankly, get mad when you don't do it and curse you out for it. Yeah, that's a mentor. So. Yeah, I'll, I'll just share a, a bit just because it, uh, you know, all three of you uh, said something that kind of reminds me of, um, you know, not just my, my parents, but uh, my mentor professionally as well. Um, so I'm Guyanese, so my parents are obviously Caribbean, super old school, like, you know, I'll beat you if you get bad grades. We've been there. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like, uh, like why, why are you out so late, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, and um, I, like, you know, like, oh, you got to go to school, do this, that, and the third, and yeah, I, I was always, like, a creative person, um, and I, uh, I guess to, like, kind of, like, stick it to the man, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go, like, go do, like, join a band, and, like, I'm not gonna, like, like, do, like, career stuff that seriously, and it's gonna be, like, 
this like rock and roll singer, like reggae, whatever, like hip hop, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and so I never took any, like, I tell I always tell people when, when they ask me, I, I like accidentally fell into real estate. My first job was like this, like, um, it was supposed to be like this, like temp to term thing and didn't take it seriously. But I learned like, I learned like a lot about like the finance end of it. Um, that's what I went to school for. And then, um, like after that was, after that gig was over, I spent like a year like going on tour and playing or whatever. And then I was like, oh, I ran out of money. I got, I got to go back to work. And so I, um, I got this gig at Conde Nast Publications and the lady that hired me, Alexis Dunbar, was this, uh, you know, old school Bayesian, you know, reminding me of my parents, like, like she, you know, usually when, you know, and I'm not going to lie to you, when I first started out, I still had that like kind of childish attitude about like, oh, this is I'm just going to do this job and then go out and play shows and I don't really care about it. Um, and, you know, Alexis, she, she was supposed to be, I had asked her to be part of the panel, but she's uh, traveling for work. Um, but Alexis, like, uh, sounded like, like, like a mix of my mom and my dad, like, like, you know, cut, like cussed me out. Like if, if in a loving way, like if I, if I didn't represent her the right way, uh, when, when I'm gone, you know, like you got to hold down the court. Well, I mean, you know, like she, she recognized like, like what my passions were and, you know, like, you know, and, 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 uh, like, helped me like realize that real estate's more than just like a, you know, took it from being just a means to an end to being something that is my career. And, and you know, like I've never had, you know, a professional person really invested in me the way she did. And, you know, um, she also you know, witnessed her struggle as a, as a black woman in the, in the, in the real estate world, like, oh, you know, like always getting brushed over or, or you know, she'd come up with an idea and then, you know, months later someone else would come with the same idea and they would take it rather than go with her in the first place and you know things like that but i i uh without alexis and and her her uh you know I, she i i guess like um you know she found it important to want to like you know like really invest in mentoring people you know and she tried with a lot of different people that worked on her team because she you know she, she, I, I guess she went, whatever she went through as a, as a, as a black woman in the, in the eighties, early nineties, whatever, but that left a huge impression on her and, and wanted to like, you know, invest what she knew and learned into people that were coming up on her team and that would eventually replace her or whatever. So I appreciate what she's done for me. She was a great mentor. Um, and, you know, like, uh, like I, I would say like my mentors, like over the career, the ones that have always invested the most have always been women of color. And, you know, like, I don't know, I'm super grateful for, you know, uh, the perspective that they bring. It's, it's always brought me up to another level. Um, That's great. Yeah, one, one of the things that when we think, when we talk about the mentorship conversation that I, 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 I struggle with sometimes is as you climb the ladder, the air gets thinner, right? And when I say the air gets thinner, like the person that used to mentor you before, although they still can add value to your career journey, you may have surpassed them. And their they may not have that same perspective and you've got to like start supplementing from other places. And, you know, like it, I've, I've struggled to find other, you know, like not, not struggled, but <laughs> the mentor doesn't always have to be this person that's, you know, 
seven levels above you. Like sometimes right. I'm, I'm, I'm getting knowledge from my competition, right? Like other executives, whether they're black, doesn't matter. At some point, it's like LeBron and Kevin Durant on the basketball court, like iron sharpens iron. Like we have to think more holistically about where we're, you know, securing knowledge and insights from, because although, you know, we're all competing for the next job, the next program, the next growth opportunity, at the end of the day, like we all want to make this a more diverse industry. And if, if I win, they win. If they win, I also win. So that's something that I'm starting to lean into more now, where I'm trying to find like, you know, my, my, my competition and my peers and say like, hey, let's sit down, let's talk, right? Because please believe it, like everybody else is doing that, right? They know their, 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 their version of them at the other company. And I feel like sometimes our community, like we're not doing the best job of making those connections and bridging, bridging those gaps. No, I, I totally agree. I think, I think uh, we can learn a lot from our peers and that's one of the, you know, personally, I, I really enjoy being part of Cornet because I've, I've met so many people with different perspectives that, that, you know, like in the industry, you know, wow, like I could have done this differently or maybe I should think about this on my next project or something because, you know, you meet so many brilliant people from different walks of life and, you know, uh, I think that's why diversity in our industry is super important because, you know, you're, you're going to learn a lot of different things from different people from different places like that, that, you know, uh, perspective is everything, you know, and, and uh, diversity brings a lot of perspective. I would definitely agree with that. Like being a part of Cornet was an eye opener to just so many different people on the end user, you know, on the other um, provider side that we would have great conversations about the things that we're working on, the things that we're all, you know, worried about. I mean, during the pandemic, I think the best thing for me during Cornet as an FM at that time was that we had a coffee break meeting, um, you know, every week. And we kind of talked about where we are right now, what are we planning, how are we going to get sanitizer, how are we going to procure things and being able essentially to find that tribe of people, um, you know, and you can tap into them being able to say, I have a question and I have now a literally a WhatsApp group where I can say, hey guys, I have a question about this and I'll get an answer from someone. And it's a diverse range of people that are part of that team. And even for me also in thinking about who I hire for my team, I'm very conscious and very aware that who I'm hiring, I'm not hiring someone who looks like me, but I'm hiring someone who has even more knowledge in me in the field. I run three programs very specific to how the operational teams run. And so my brain is great as it is, and I know I'm really smart. I want to know that my team is even smarter than I am. Um, and they can bring me a wealth of knowledge and I can grow and learn from that team too. Once again, I'm sort of sitting like, what does Kelly say now? I think that for myself, um, you know, I'm not, again, like I, I sort of fell into commercial real estate later. You know, I, I came, you know, my background again is in, is in uh, design and construction. I'm an architect. So I come through traditional architecture and design firms, but also um, very much so initially my career planted in academia, in universities, then within firms. And then later I moved client side, which got me into more commercial real estate driven work. Um, I think that 
you know, in, in general for me, for what everybody's saying, I think it's just a, a matter for myself, definitely. It's just been that exposure to different aspects of life, people, you know, um, for myself personally, you know, I've lived and worked abroad. I've, you know, I'm from Detroit, but I've lived different parts of the country, you know, DC, Atlanta, you know, here now in the Heights. It's like just having those different avenues and not, for, frankly, for me, once I got out of undergrad and grad and realized that the only path was not this narrow path that what I was taught in school, and then there's something called reality and life, then that began to fold and guide the decisions that I made and not real and realizing that that architecture just wasn't what I was taught, you know, when I was, you know, like a junior, you know, and, and allowing those conversations around me just to frankly just broaden my mind, you know, so and when you do that, you can have conversations from people who are not in your industry um, guide you and help support you because their experience um, is just as important and it's valid, right? So that's, um, that's a very good point when you say like people not in your industry, right? Like when you think about like the board of directors for whatever your company is that's on the phone, like they have people that are from other industries that are executives because they have yes. a perspective that's valuable. And, you know, often when we're on the mentor hunt, we're hunting for mentors that are like in exactly my space, but in the C-suite. And I was like, it's probably three of them. Like, <laughs> they don't have time. Like, exactly. Sorry. You can't be the mentor to us, you know? You can't possible. mentor all of us. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Sorry, yeah. I, actually, I actually sat on, so my daughter went to charter school and I actually sat on the board of her school and actually met some really great people who are outside of my industry. And I think that, to your point, Stephen, is getting those connections to people who are other executives without out of your field gives you so much great perspective because I've met some amazing people that to this day, you know, my daughter's going to be graduating, going to college, and we still keep in contact. And I still reach out to them to say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about this new venture or, or where am I going in my career? And they're able to give me advice. Yeah, I, I mean, exactly. Absolutely. Like the people, you know, if I haven't said it for like at least a fifth or sixth time, I come from architecture. Commercial real estate is very different for me, right? So, you know, as far as, you know, what the C-suite looks like, that's like, that was like an everyday Tuesday for me coming up in architecture school and in, in the different firms. So to me, it's, it's relative, but I think, you know, what I definitely appreciate, um, Nikisha and Steven and Vijay, you guys saying is that um, despite that path, it's having people along that path, no matter what they look like, men, women, no matter what their racial background, et cetera, is people, frankly, who have your back and they support you and they are willing to, and they're, they're willing to um, help guide you along the way, you know? Um, one of, I think I mentioned before, like one of the scariest bosses I had, you know, he actually was one of my biggest supporters coming here, but I also learned a lot from him, you know, and, you know, it was literally like being thrust into a two-week course, I guess, like Harvard Business School, everything I need to learn because I was constantly with the C-suite, but he, I think what I do appreciate is that he saw in me is that, I, 
I was like, there is this big major role they want to take on this job. Um, I figured everybody else fakes it until they make it. Why not me? And I think he was like, well, she had the balls to do that. Let's see what else you could do. And it was a tough lesson along that way. But if anything, having his back and in, in situations in high stress corporate situations when I didn't think I'd have it, I was, I was surprised by that. And, and again, he's, he's like a mentor and a big supporter um, to this day, so. And I think, I think there's a question in the chat that I just popped up to me. It says, um, I think it's from Lizzie. It says, they invest in me. What do you mean? Is that the, the time they take to talk to you, coach you, or do they send you professional development? I definitely like to say that for me, what I found in everyone who has given me some learning experience, investing in me meant that they felt that they would give their time. And so whether that's like a 15 minute conversation, because to this day, and it was actually like last month as I was like reflecting on my 2021, you know, how well I did. And, and my new role as senior programs manager, I stepped out of the senior facilities manager role where I was actually managing the operating teams on site and now having to think of portfolio strategy and development for an entire portfolio of, you know, 13 properties. It was scary. It was like, like, okay, I know I can do stuff. I can run a building. I can walk into a building and assess it in a minute. But then I had to put myself in a place where, okay, now you're thinking on a larger scale. And it scared the mess out of me. But I have an amazing leader who said, nope, I think you can do this. You're the only person who understands the in and out of operations. You can now think about strategically how to develop these programs. And, you know, six months later, I did. But then I was still thinking, okay, now what do I do with my career? I was able to reach out to that C-suite woman who, you know, I am like five years gone from that company. She's moved on, but send her a message that, hey, can I really have 15 minutes with you? And she took out 15 minutes of her day to remind me of those same exact things that I need to be reminded of that. I know my work. I know my worth. You have your goals. Stick to it. Make sure that you find your advocates, your mentors, your tribe of people. And, and I think that's the other part of this conversation that sometimes you're gonna be in a room or in a space where those people are not for you. They don't see your vision. They don't see your goals. They don't see your future. And sometimes you need to work in that room, but you can step out of that room and come into organizations like Pornet, like IFMA, and find people who are like-minded that'll give you the knowledge that you need. And I had to do that my first time around. And now I think I've, I've mastered the space of, when I walk into a space that I am the only black woman in a room, I'm okay with that because I know that I am setting a trend and I'm okay with being a trendsetter, but at the same time, I also know my worth and I'm excited for it. Um, so guys, we are on our last 10 minutes. So uh, uh, I just want to, uh, the last two questions will wrap into one um, because they kind of play off each other. And then, I, so each one of you, uh, if you guys can, can give me your, you know, best take on it in a minute each, and then we can uh, answer some of these questions in the uh, in the chat. So the question is, um, you know, uh, what has been the biggest piece of your success in your career, and what advice would you give your younger self? And I'll start with Stephen, and and then we can go around. Um, I guess. The, the one big thing that I did in my career was, you know, I had to take a, a step backwards to put myself in a, a better situation to be successful and to win, right? So when I was um, at Accenture Strategy, right, 
I, I ended up being partnered with a community that just really wasn't healthy for my success and my growth. And sometimes that group doesn't realize how toxic they are if people just continue to stay in it and deal with it. So I had to pull myself out. And by doing so, I left, I left that company. I went over to McKinsey. I took a title decrease. I cut my, my salary got cut by like $50,000. Like this is like real money, right? Because they're, they're McKinsey and that's just what they do, right? They feel like, but, and it was a struggle for me, but I realized it was most, most like an ego thing. That was the, the toughest part of the struggle. I felt like I was going backwards, but the truth of the matter is it gave me a more stable foundation and some, um, some resources that better positioned me for where I wanted to be and a better community that I could leverage to propel me to where, where I've gotten to today. So for me, that was like one of the best things that I'd ever done because I lean on that, you know, what I learned and those frameworks from McKinsey every single day. And I wouldn't have gotten those if I wasn't willing to take that step backwards and able to propel myself forward. And they're, they're both great companies. You know, I just got caught in a dark little circle that I needed to pull myself out of. And I felt by like, and, and being honest about it, Sometimes we leave an organization, we leave a toxic situation, and we say like, oh, it's a better thing, it's for my family. No, it is not a better thing. You, you know, I wasn't treated well, I didn't get this, this these opportunities weren't there, boom, boom, boom. I, I'm gonna tell you, because it gets documented in HR, and then now they have to address it. Whereas if you kind of like sneak out because you don't wanna burn a bridge, like guess what? People keep, keep having to travel across that broken down bridge. That bridge needed to get burned down to the ground. And they made the right, you know, I believe they made the right changes following that. And I took a risk, but that's what you got to do. You build up equity by delivering projects every day. If you don't use that equity, it's like equity in your house. If you, you know, you, you don't borrow against it, you don't, what is it doing for you? So that started to be a little bit long-winded, but that was like the, the best thing that I could have done for my career. I'll jump in up to piggyback off of Stephen, I think, like you said, building up your equity, right? Um, I have consistently raised my hand throughout my career and produced work that I felt gave me the merit to the next opportunity. Um, and I definitely say to my younger self is that you got to believe in yourself, believing in me that whatever thing that I was doing, I could do it. And I had that belief system and I had the support system. And if I didn't have the support system, I actually went out to find that support system. So I said, you should never feel in this, in this world of corporate real estate or in any field that you're in, that you have to stay in one place or just use the resources that are in front of you. There are so many people out there who are willing to give you their time, their energy, whether it's a course that you can take, you know, you can put, when you put the work into yourself, I think that's the first key to your success. And I continuously every day try to be a better version of myself than I was yesterday. So I'll leave it there. Not go on. <laughs> Hand it over to Kelly. Thank you, buddy. Um, I'll just say, so I was thinking like, what would I tell a young Kelly Powell in Ann Arbor, Michigan? One, I would tell her, don't be mad that your mother didn't let you go to Parsons. Michigan is an okay school. There's no way she's going to let you go to New York by yourself alone. Then I'd probably would tell myself to um, trust, continue. The one thing I've always been good at is to continue to trust your gut and to not second guess yourself. You know, and that's one of the hardest things. And, 
you know, and just to know that um, there will be days coming that days that you doubted yourself and your worth and your success, that you are going to surpass the people that you thought in school were doing better than you. You will have won awards and fellowships that they will never achieve that you will be the person in the room that they will not think is the client, but who is making the decisions about the money. And, and basically to just chill and things are gonna be all right. And that's what I tell Kelly in Ann Arbor and tell her and it's okay hey. that you didn't go to Columbia. Georgia Tech is just as great too. <laughs> there you go. Uh, let it go and let it be. Yeah. <laughs> um. So uh, Sarah dropped in the, the group chat. Um, Sarah, do you want to ask a question? Uh, you saw the call? Yeah, I saw that, um, you know, I got some responses. I just think it would be super powerful to, you know, follow up with this, with, with sharing with the rest of Cornette. You know, here are some organizations that can really help take us all on this journey and, um, and kind of try and expand expand the reach there. So, so Sarah Brown's question is, is uh, uh, would love to hear some uh, programs or companies that can help bring diversity into the workplace. Um, you know, uh, Lizzie, you, you dropped a bunch there. Uh, Project Reap is uh, one that we plan on partnering with. Um, but uh, I mean, if anyone has any uh, suggestions they want to, uh, just to drop in the chat or email me, that would be, that'd be excellent. You know, we're always looking to, uh, at least I, I'm looking to expand, you know, our, our networking and, you know, yeah. learn who I, can, can help us along the way. And I, yeah, and I, I just love, oh, go ahead, sir. Yeah, uh, no, sorry, go ahead, Nikisha. Oh, no, I was just gonna add, like, we just had our own internal hires because um, I'm a local ambassador for diversity inclusion. And one of my guest speakers um, at our diversity training, her name is um, Amy Hunter, and she is amazing. And so I will share her contact info. She is a great speaker um, in bringing people to have great conversations about diversity and inclusion. I think in this conversation that we're having is that we call people into a conversation, not just saying, you know, what's wrong, but how do we all get the grace to sit down with each other, listen to our differences, and start having the conversation. I 100% believe that conversation is a starting point. And so if we start having conversations, that will lead us to a path of resolution. Yeah, I love it, Nikisha. And I think, you know, being able to offer this conversation up to, to Cornette and, and give them some of these actionable tools to partner with these folks going forward would be awesome. Um, I was just going to say, you know, something that um, when we first started talking, something that um, Stephen mentioned, you know, no different than um, how companies think about, let's say, how they recruit and the like, you know, not just um, starting, you know, focusing, let's say, on college, but even for, I would say, companies within Cornette or even, let's say, Diversifying Cornette and its programs are like, is understanding that, you know, the people that um, are a part of the commercial real estate industry just aren't brokers, right? It's a whole collection of industries that support, you know, Cornette as well as the full breadth of the industry. So it's everything from design, construction, finance, legal, 
you know, all of those things. And so as a result, in terms of who you're targeting to diversify either the organization or the commercial real estate sector, it's just broadening the thinking in terms of who you even begin to have conversations with and what those conversations are about. You know, it's not just limiting the thought that, you know, I don't know, I forget uh, the African-American group in real estate, I think it's, they changed it to core, I think, you know, it's not just focusing on one group, but understanding that, yes, talk to people of color in all industries, right? Um, because you never know who knows someone and what value they're going to bring to, you know, that particular company or, you know, organization, let's say, like Cornet. All right, guys, we, we've, uh, uh, hit our, our time limit and you know i just want to thank uh nikisha kelly and steven for for you know taking part of this and, and sharing the perspectives and you know I, i've certainly learned a lot and and i'm also you know glad to have heard uh you guys speak about things that i can totally relate to um and i, I hope everyone on the call is, is uh you know heard something or, 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 you know, learned something that is a value add and, and, you know, uh, you know, the, to me, the, the, you know, when you ask, you know, this question of diversity, equity, and inclusion in real estate, you know, the, the to me, the, the starting point are to get, you know, um, you know, people of diverse backgrounds, you know, talking at the table, leading deals, you know, being leaders, right. And, and, you know, the everything starts there, you know, like getting, you know, folks like Stephen, Kelly and Keisha at the forefront, you know, leading the charge and, and you know, being uh, being role models to, 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 you know, not just people of color, but of anyone of any age, whatever, you know, like, you know, being a point of inspiration. I think that's, that's how you get that, that, you know, conversation started and, and getting getting more people aware and involved. And so I, I really appreciate you guys taking part uh, in this event. And I appreciate everyone who's uh, stayed on this long to, to listen through all the questions and answers. And we'll have some, you know, other great events coming up throughout the year. And, and, and feel free to, you know, reach out to me or anyone that's participated on the panel to ask any questions or, or you know, getting advice, whatever you may have. So uh, thank you guys and, and, and uh, hope to hear from you soon. Great. Thank you guys for having us. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Great. Bye -bye. Thanks. Thanks so much. Bye.